What the fuck is up, world? Biali Tlaltik Fak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Sea dicho. Coming about. Man, the fuck this fucking bitch ass microphone. There we go. Coming about a week now since my previous podcast. Um, kind of lost track of time there for a split second. Uh, anyways, coming about a week off the previous podcast on hood philosophy and some shadow work type shit. And ready to get back into the mix now by fucking flipping the script and talking some more Project Bluebeam shit. You know what I mean? For those of you all who have been listening along for the past month or so, you'll know the cycle has been hood philosophy, uh, conspiracy, niche, back to some hood philosophy type shit. You know what I mean? So for this particular episode, we're going to get back into pl- uh, Project Bluebeam, into the Stargate Part 2, if you will. And we're going to do a minute, we're going to fucking uh, rather uh, analyze more of the foundations for this fucking conspiracy theory. Now, before we do, there's a few things I got to get out in the fucking way. First and foremost, quick shout out to a gentleman by the name of Ronaldinho Calderon, right on YouTube. Shout out the boy for the fucking very thoughtful feedback on uh, the previous episode of the podcast on the Nawa and the fucking hood philosophy shadow work type shit, right? Truly means a lot. Uh, also, another shout out to the fucking to a gentleman by the name of, I believe, Chris Gutierrez, right? Also commented on the YouTube. Was good, Chris. I see you, homie. And the same, the same uh, it goes without saying. The fucking, you know, I appreciate the fuck out of you taking the time out of your day to not only engage with the podcast, but to listen to it to begin with. But also to fucking leave the comment and let it be known. Like, you know, like, yeah, I fucks with this shit. You know what I mean? It truly means a lot. So shout out to both of you all. And also shout out to every motherfucker who's listening to this. The ones that don't reach out, you know, just because you don't reach out don't mean I don't see you. And it definitely don't mean that I don't appreciate you. So what's good, homie, right? Um, another thing, obviously, you got to get the, the the semantics out of the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram. And the backup, OG dot Ice Nice 13 on the gram as well. If that shit in my uh, the original gets shut down, right? Um, you can also find me on, you know, the socials, other social medias along the same, uh, account name. Right. Uh, but you know, obviously generally speaking, I only fucks with the gram. So with that out of the way, let's get into this podcast, homie, because I have a lot to get through and I don't want to take up too much of your time. Now, before we get started, I think the most important thing to do is quickly to fucking cite the book that it is that I'm getting most of this research from. And that is the book by the name of Aliens, UFOs, the Occult, and the Occult, Use Your Illusion, Part 1, by a gentleman by the name of Isaac Weisup, okay? Now, the reason why I say this is for a few, okay, for two particular. The first of which being just a quick shout out to the boy, right, for giving us the material necessary to be able to make this podcast possible, okay? A citation, if you will. The second of which being is because, well... I'm going to be honest with you. I like the book. Me personally, I like the book. But as I was working my way through it, um, I personally found it to be a little bit scattered. Okay. The dude, like, don't get me twisted because I'm the same way. So it's not even meant to be a knock. I'm not trying to shit on homeboy. Okay. But what I'm saying is that, you know, the same way that me personally, I'm very tangential. The book itself is also tangential. And he assumes a lot of prior knowledge and conspiracy theory. So when he's talking about one particular topic, he'll immediately fucking do an about face and go off to talk about a completely unrelated topic, right? And then from there, he'll just go off on that tangent before initially, before rather circling back to the initial topic that he was first discussing in a sense, Project Bluebeam, right? So that obviously that 
form of writing on his behalf is going to have an effect on a podcast that is based on that book. So I just wanted to, you know, let it be known that I'm trying to remain, I'm, I was trying to be as, I was trying to follow the logic as, 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 as accurately as possible. But there were, there were times where, you know, you, you kind of just get lost in the mix because of how circular and tangential a lot of the, the source material is. Okay. And also another reason I wanted to bring it up is because at the end of the day, dog, I still maintain that even when I'm discussing fucking conspiracy theory type shit, this is a philosophy podcast, dog. And the reason being is that I'm a fucking philosopher, homeboy. And like as a philosopher, I engage with materials that I'm reading in a philosophical way. I engage with materials that I'm discussing in a philosophical way. And that is the exact, this is no different when it comes to this particular book and this particular criti- uh, uh, conspiracy theory. Now, when I'm doing so, there's, there's a few things that emerged when I was preparing this particular episode that I started to realize. And the first of which is that, you know, as a philosopher, we have to engage with the material that we're discussing faithfully, homie. And that means that we're not just setting up a straw man argument, okay? We're not setting up the easiest version of the argument that they are presenting, that, are, that the people that we are discussing are presenting, so that we can potentially knock it down. If anything, I talked about it way back in the initial days of this podcast, the steel man argument, okay? And what the steel man argument is essentially, just to reiterate, is where you take your opponent's strongest argument and then you use it against them. Then you try to knock it down. Just to demonstrate that you yourself know exactly what the fuck it is that you're talking about and that you've given your opponent their fucking due proper, okay? So that's kind of what I consider myself doing when it comes to these conspiracy theories. I, I just flush them out, dog. You know, in philosophy, we're always dealing with this type of shit in, in the form of like uh, uh, hypothetical thought experiments, even the most seemingly outlandish ones like pushing a fat man over the bridge to stop a fucking runaway or uh, to stop a freight train. Obviously, that fucking completely betrays the laws of physics, but we allow it in philosophy as a thought experiment because it allows us to contextualize and, you know, consider, you know, various propositions, okay? And uh, the same, I believe, should be true when it comes to these conspiracy theorists, which is something that many, nine, you know, nine out of ten philosophers will fucking draw the line on. And they'll say, fucking absolutely not. We're not even going to engage with conspiracy theories because we're not going to give them the time of day. We're not going to legitimize them in any form, right? But I am the one of ten, and I have no problem doing so because, A, obviously, I like conspiracies. But B, because I ain't no fucking scared bitch. You know what I mean? I know full well what I'm doing and I know full well how I'm doing it. So I'm not afraid of like, A, legitimizing them because hey, who the fuck am I, right? And B, I'm not afraid of getting sucked into them because at the end of the day, I remain faithful to the one thing that I know for absolute certainty. And that is that I know nothing at all. That I, that I don't want to know nothing at all. I'm just questioning, homie. You know what I mean? So when it comes to this Project Bluebeam shit, like I don't mind fucking discussing it in fucking even the most seemingly absurd fucking elements of it because I have no fear of getting sucked into that rabbit hole and never escaping. You know what I mean? Um, and the third thing that I wanted to mention, dog, is, is another uh, deeply philosophical issue that we, you know, deal with in philosophy. But, but it's more of a latent, it's more of a, a tacit one, dog, that it's one that, n- that many philosophers themselves aren't even familiar with, okay? And that is what is referred to as the quote-unquote strong reading of reality, all right? Now, what this strong reading of reality essentially dictates is that we always, we tend to assume that the epistemology that we personally believe to be as correct, we always assume that it is such, as such correct without any sort of assumptions as to, uh, 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 as to the opposite. So what I mean by that is like, here in the Western Christian world, dog, Christians automatically take Christianity and the Christian you know, modality as a given. They don't even pause to consider that there are alternative ways of reading reality. This is the biggest beef, if you will, 
between postmodernists and other philosophers, or specifically modernists and uh, modernist and classical philosophers. These modernist and classical philosophers, they follow the, 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 the Western Christian teleology. And because of that, they just assume that everything that isn't, you know, a result of the Western Christian world, even the atheist ones, right? They just assume that everything that is a result of the Western Christian world is a given without ever pausing to consider that there is potentially other ways of reading the unfolding of events, such as the indigenous Nawa one, homie, that I am trying to provide you with, the hood philosophy one, the fucking Buddhist one, the Hindu interpretation of the world, and so on and so forth, okay? And the reason I want to bring this up is because much of this conspiracy theory, like most of the conspiracy theories, as I've talked about in the past, it's guilty of this, dog. It's guilty of this very fucking, of this very thing. It just assumes that Western Christianity is correct. And because of it, as I was working my way through the book, you know, it, it's basically filled with a lot of Christian alarmism. I'm just going to be honest about it. Like this dude, he he's a Christian and he admits as such, which I can, you know, I can respect because he admits that he's a Christian, but he says that he's, he tries his best to not impose the Christianity onto his reading of the text, which, you know, I think he does a well enough job of doing so. But at the end of the day, this fucking, these strong readings of reality are so subtle that they still seep their way into our fucking into our reading, our writing, the way that we interface with reality, just by virtue of, you know, the unquestion, the unreflective question, uh, unquestioning that we've engaged towards this particular way of reading reality, right? So what I mean by that is like, even if you're an atheist, homie, as I talked about in the previous podcasts, you know, we've all been socialized by the, 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 the values of the master class, if you will. And the values obviously are the fucking Western Christian values here in the United States of America, in the Western world. And because of that, this entails that, again, even if you're an atheist, you still fucking have Christian beliefs, okay? And uh, those Christian beliefs, if you don't take, if you don't take a fucking a step to reflect on them in, like, you know, in, in an unbiased way, they're going to influence the way you perceive reality. They're going to influence our ideology and the way we perceive reality, right? So much so that even an atheist person is guilty of reading all of reality as unfolding in, in accordance to this Western Christian, you know, teleology, right? Uh, when it comes to conspiracies, I find this to be very fucking sneaky, bro, because there's people in the conspiracy community who they start off, for instance, as alleged atheists, and then they finish as fucking alleged Christians, right? And the idea here is that they feel as though, through their research of these conspiracies, that it's led them to the logical conclusion, quote unquote, that God must exist, the Western Christian God must exist. To which I say, bro, like, I know you probably feel as though that is some grand spiritual fucking... Uh, 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 discovery on your behalf. And I know you probably also feel that the rest of us who don't see it that way are fucking just blind and fucking ignorant. But I assure you that they, that's not the case. We're not blind and ignorant just because we don't arrive to the Christian understanding that you arrived to or the fucking Christian awakening, quote unquote, that you had. But B, I would also say that that awakening, I'm not really sure how much of an awakening it, awakening it is, homie, because again, unless you took time to step back and, you know, see this Christian fucking socialization within yourself, this alleged fucking uh, atheist person, then realistically what happened is you basically got from point A to point Z by way of a fucking path that was laid by Christians. So you really had no way of deviating from that path and thus ultimately, by virtue of the, the finite number of possibilities, typical game theory type shit, you only had one end fucking goal to arrive at and that was the idea that the Western Christian God is the correct quote unquote God, if you will, right? So something to consider as we fucking work our way through this uh, uh, Project Blue Beam conspiracy theory, right? 
Anyways, getting to the conspiracy, just as a quick refresher, you know, just for those of you who are tuning into this particular episode, so it could stand as a standalone episode. Um, the Project Bluebeam, as a quick refresher, is the idea that there is an alleged attempt, you know, by the government that seeks to usher in a new age antichrist through a false alien invasion, right? Now, whether this is a quote-unquote real antichrist in the form of interdimensional entities or a fake one that is just a result of holograms, as I've mentioned before in the previous episode, that is irrelevant, right? Because all that matters is the totalitarian control that will inevitably follow this Project Bluebeam, right? This is the roots. I think this is like this totalitarian control. This is like the fucking the roots of most conspiracy theories, the desire to have totalitarian control by a select group of people. You know what I mean? And um, Project Bluebeam, it's no fucking different. Anyways, the ideas of Project Bluebeam, uh, they stem from the work of a journalist by the name of Sergei Monast. Okay. And he came to us in 1994. And he died actually in 1996 from a heart attack, despite the fact that he had no history of heart disease in his family, something to just look into if you're ever interested, right? But uh, the idea here that Monist is showing with us, sharing with us, is that Project Bluebeam, it's uh, allegedly run by NASA, okay? And he tells us that it's a project that's going to unfold in four steps that are going to culminate with the introduction of a new age religion with lucifer as the head of operations now i'm going to pause here okay to again as i'm going to do at various points throughout the podcast and that is make it explicitly clear that this is some straight up christian fear porn this is what exactly what i was talking about okay you're reading this and me i'm reading this as like a legitimate non-christian like the christian story means nothing to me you know what i mean so i'm reading this and it's kind of off-putting dog because it's just it sounds like just typical fucking christian alarmism like oh the war against christianity like no dude it's not a war against christianity starbucks just wants to make fucking money okay <laughs> and they're catering to other peoples around the world who aren't christian by doing so they're doing so by catering to other peoples around the world who aren't christian i should say right and you know the more you shout out this fucking christian alarmism shit the let the more off-putting it is to people like myself right and uh <laughs> Like I said, the entire conspiracy theory, like most of them, it's, you know, if we're being honest, it's just, it's all, that's all it is, dog. It's Christian fear porn. And that's one of the biggest beef I have with, with this particular conspiracy as well as others. Okay. Um, cause like I said, like me personally, I, I'm not afraid of a fucking new religion overthrowing Christianity, let alone a fucking Lucifer being the head of the operations because Christianity and especially Lucifer, they don't mean anything to me. They're just parts of a story. It's like the Lord of the Rings, dog. You know what I mean? Like, that would be like saying, oh, Sauron took over fucking Middle Earth. Like, okay, cool. Like, it's fucking not real. That's not, you know what I mean? It's just a story. All right? So, um, and when people take this to be as, like, fucking absolutely true without question, it's just like, bro, like, you're not even pausing to consider the, the idea, the potentiality that there's other ways to view reality outside of this Christian lens. Like, what, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Anyways, as I was, you know, working my way through this particular uh, conspiracy theory, through his book, I should say, I did, you know, in the interest of fairness, like, again, I'm trying to be a philosopher about it. I'm not trying to set up a straw man argument. Like, I, you know, I'm going to give it its fair, pro its due proper. Um, and I, I realized that just because, you know, just because my personal beliefs towards Christianity are, are one way, there's no doubt that Christianity is still the prominent religion around the world, basically. You know what I mean? The Abrahamic religions are still the, uh, the prominent religions around the world. And as such, it's only natural that the conspiracy would be filtered through his lens, right? Because they're, they, they, the architects, right? 
they are trying to reach obviously as many people as possible. So to do so, you'd have to do so, you'd have to filter it through the lens of the most prominent religions of the world, which Christianity is obviously number one in that respect, right? And uh, secondly, the other thing I realized is that unfortunately, <laughs> my own personal beliefs regarding Christianity are irrelevant because at the end of the day, for better or for worse, this is still a Christian world, dog. And as such, me, I'm not going to be spared, if you will, the effects of Project Bluebeam just because I don't fucking believe in Christian dogma. Like, nah, dog, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? That would be like me saying that I'm not beholden to the current date and time of the world because I'm not a Christian. Like, yeah, I could tell you like, eh, maybe it's ja fucking January, whatever date it is today. Or maybe it's Zekuali. You know what I mean? Kuiwat, okay? According to what uh, a Nawa day. You know what I mean? As I would believe. But if I show up to work, if I don't show up to work because I tell them that, you know, their Christian time doesn't mean anything to me. It's not going to bode well for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm still fucking beholden to the, the dictates of the of the Western Christian world, right? And the same is true when it comes to this conspiracy theory. Like, yeah, I might not believe in it, but that's not going to stop the fucking United States government or whoever it is that's pulling the fucking strings from fucking trying to, you know, assert complete totalitarian control over my life. You know what I mean? Um, this <laughs> not believing in Christianity shit, it's a great way to escape not going to hell, quote unquote, because, you know, that's part of the Christian story, but it doesn't really matter when they're quite literally trying to create hell on earth. You know what I mean? Anyways, um, going back to this Project Bluebeam shit, the idea is that NASA is already laying the foundation for this by priming us to expect the discovery, quote unquote, of aliens, potentially as early as 2025. Now, one of the ways they are doing so is through movies and culture, as explained in the previous episode with, you know, the role of movies in mass media, uh, Netflix and the like, right? Now, I understand that already this conspiracy sounds outlandish as fuck, because we immediately ask ourselves shit like, what the fuck, what, what would NASA have to do anything with this? And perhaps more importantly, why? Like, who the, why would NASA care about this? These are the motherfuckers, uh, why would they care about totalitarian control? These are the motherfuckers that are out there trying to find aliens in space and shit, or just trying to fucking map the cosmos. They don't care about control, right? And, you know, at least this was my own personal initial reactions. And it's one of the reasons why I was uh, initially so suspect about this conspiracy at the beginning, right? But then I started to consider, bro, I started to consider that maybe the impetus for that particular response that I had wasn't on, it wasn't on the grounds of critical, reflective thinking on my behalf, but rather it was dogmatic, unreflective thinking on my behalf instead, Right? So what I mean by that is like my initial response to simply dismiss this Project Bluebeam shit as anti-science, it stemmed from the fact that since childhood, I was inculcated with the idea that NASA is one of the quote unquote good guys through the American public education school system, right? Which is fucking hilarious, yo, because most of the important insights, if you will, that I offer with Hood Philosophy they stem from an outright dismissal of everything we were taught in public school because that shit is fucking nothing more than state-sanctioned propaganda, bro. So I started to ask myself, like, how hypocritical, like, I, I realized just how hypocritical I was because, you know, I have no problem shitting on Christopher Columbus on one hand, but when it comes to NASA, suddenly I draw the line? Like, where is the logical consistency, homie? And the answer is, there is none, Okay. At least none that fucking didn't lead to contradiction and hypocrisy on my behalf, right? And because of that, I, I started to realize that maybe I'm not fucking being as 
I, I'm not being as a fucking astute as a philosopher as I should pretend, as I should probably be when it comes to at least dealing with this idea. Okay, that I should perhaps remain a little bit more faithful to my my guiding principles of skepticism, rationality, and fallibility. Right, and just at the very least, actually give this idea its due proper and see if perhaps there was reason why there. I should we should doubt NASA. All right, and. Um, when I started to do this, dog, I got to admit, I was in for quite the shock. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's funny because like in public school, it's weird how they have no problem teaching us about the Jewish Holocaust. And, and rightfully so. It's one of the many fucking travesties of human history, right? And they have no problem also teaching us about the Nazi, despite the fact that we all know that the fucking real Nazis didn't start in Germany. They started in England and then made their way here to Turtle Island first where they committed the indigenous Holocaust and then worked their way to fucking Germany where they committed the Jewish Holocaust. You know what I mean? They have no problem teaching us about that either. Well, not the indigenous part, the Nazi part in Germany, okay? But they always conveniently, for whatever reason, dog, they leave out the NASA, this fucking government agency that allegedly got us to the moon, basically was only able to do so because of a fucking Nazi, bro, right? Um, his name is Warner Von Braun, homie. And for those of us who don't know, and he came over to the United States after World War II in what is known as Operation Paperclip. Now, a fun fact, quick aside, he actually came here to El Paso, Texas. I didn't know that until I was fucking researching this shit. You know what I mean? And uh, he started here in El Paso, Texas. And uh, what another thing that I found interesting is that while you know he was here, or maybe shortly thereafter, uh, here, uh, uh, here in El Paso, they actually fucking bombed our sister city, Juarez. They fucking bombed a cemetery, bro. And uh, they said it was an accident, but uh, come on, man. These motherfuckers were sending rockets to the moon, but suddenly when it came to fucking, they, they had a, maybe, maybe, it, we'll grant them the idea that maybe it was a fucking a calculation error. But me personally, I'm reading that shit, man, I'm like, there's no fucking error. These are the Nazis, the same Nazis that came here of the initial, of the initial wave of European fucking uh, invaders. You know what I mean? It's the same ones, dog. So to me, it's just like, it's kind of a, a, a direct fuck you to the people in Mexico when they fucking shot that rocket off in Juarez, right? Anyways, that's just a little fucking history, a little bit of El Paso history there. And getting back to this fucking Project Bluebeam shit. Um, to be fair, to be fair, this doesn't necessarily imply that the entire NASA organization is suspect just because of this one seemingly isolated incident, okay? And uh, again, in the interest of fairness, the rationale behind the United States taking in these Nazi scientists is that, you know, like Einstein, the German scientists of the time were far more advanced than any of those of, of any other nation, okay? And as such, they were valuable assets, especially during a time of war, okay? And because of that, the seemingly rational thing to do, of course, is to recruit them to ensure that your nation doesn't get the shit end of the deal, basically. And that's exactly what we're told happens with Project Bluebeam. Like, yeah, dog, they might have been Nazis, we're told, but... Without them, we wouldn't have been able to make it to uh, to the moon. So, you know, they get a pass, basically, is what they, was what they tell us. Um, now, what makes this Warner Von Braun character so interesting is that on his deathbed, bro, he 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 said a lot of shit. This motherfucker was a talker. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, he said a lot of shit, which, I don't know, man. Just the idea that we're basing an entire, just like now that I'm here, like just thinking about it, the idea that we're basing an entire conspiracy theory, well, not, yeah, dog, we're basing the entire conspiracy theory on the words of a fucking Nazi. Like, that's kind of weird when I really think about it, because since when are Nazis ever concerned with fucking complete totalitarian, authoritarian control? Like, it's just, again, just one of the many things about this conspiracy that doesn't really make much sense, okay? Still interesting, but there's a lot of problems with it. That I, like, I'm telling you, there's a, lot, there's a lot of holes in it, right? 
And the idea here being is like, why the fuck would Warner Von Braun care about care to tell us about fucking, you know, complete totalitarian, be concerned with, moreover, about complete totalitarian, authoritarian control. He's a fucking Nazi. That's exactly what they want. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, um, we're told at least that when it comes to this Project Bluebeam shit, that on his deathbed, uh, he claimed that there would one day be a fake alien invasion in the future, right? And again, I got to reiterate, this Warner Von Braunkat, he's not just some Nazi, random Nazi scientist, bro. This motherfucker was running a whole program, a whole ass program at, at NASA. You know what I mean? It's not just some random dude. And uh, he goes on a talk, he goes on a fucking claim on his deathbed that these fucking, uh, him personally, like he was against uh, the, the, he was against the development of space weapons. And he argued, he told us that, he said at least, that the extraterrestrial threats, quote unquote, whether they were alien or asteroid, and the ensuing need to protect against them, that it was all part of the agenda, dog. The agenda here to usher in complete totalitarian, authoritarian control, okay? And he told us that this was going to happen through five phases, right? Uh, uh, that these five phases were going to come to us by way of a quote-unquote boogeyman. And the first boogeyman would be the Soviets, right? The space race with the Soviets back in the 60s and 70s. And then from there, it would move on to the terrorists, Right? And then from there, the next boogeyman would be the quote-unquote nations of concern, right? And then we would move on to asteroids, where we would finish, last but not least, with the alien invasion, right? Now, obviously, the first two have already been proven to be true. And if you consider shit like the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, and so on, you can easily make the argument for the nations of concern as well. Now, what's a trip for me is that we are starting to see, slowly but surely, dog, the concern with the threat of these quote-unquote extraterrestrial objects, like asteroids and shit, right? Creeping into the mix by way of popular culture as well. Now, as I was preparing this particular episode, there were three particular examples of this that rang the most true with me, homie. And the first of which came by way of the gentleman scholar by the name of Neil deGrasse Tyson, yo. I'm not going to front. I was a huge Neil deGrasse Tyson stand back in the day, right? Back when I was still convinced that space was real. Now, I'm not saying space is fake. I'm just saying, like, I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but back before I got to this point where now the idea, even the idea of space is like, oh, shit, man, maybe space isn't real. Like, how do I know that space is real, Right? Back then, I was like convinced that space was real. And, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson was my boy. I was like, I fucking love this dude. Yo, he's the one out here teaching us about outer space. You know, I love space. You know, and uh, as I started to, you know, slowly go down this rabbit hole, I started to realize that actually as dope as, you know, he's a great orator, you know, and a great fucking speaker of science. And as dope as he is, he's also the subject of mad scrutiny, bro, with most in the underground claiming basically that, you know, typical underground shit that, you know, homeboy is nothing more than a shill for the fake space agenda. Now, to be fair, even if he might potentially be a shill, there's no doubt that he's also a respected scientist, dog. So that in and of itself is naturally the cause for mad dissonance. Because again, we like to ask, we, we, we think to ourselves, I know I personally did, how can, or perhaps even better, why would a physicist like, Le like Neil deGrasse Tyson fucking lie to us? Like, what does he have to gain from it, right? And that's exactly the whole point. That's the whole point of Project Bluebeam, you know what I mean? To fucking put these, sow these ideas of doubt and skepticism into our mind. Anyways, uh, it was his, 
to sow the ideas of doubt and skepticism into our minds in order to replace them with other thoughts and ideas of other people, okay? So that those thoughts and ideas can basically take control of our consciousness, where our consciousness as the greatest form of energy can then in turn be used to, you know, uh, to direct our energy in such a way to manifest the changes that the people who are controlling our consciousness desire, okay? Anyways, going back to the Neil deGrasse Tyson character, it was on his first appearance, y'all, on the Joe Rogan podcast over 10 years ago, where this whole idea of fucking extraterrestrial objects being threats first creeped into my fucking, my, my subconscious, which is obviously important because, as I mentioned before in the previous episode of the podcast, that's how Project Blue Beam works. It uses these fucking symbols to penetrate into our subconscious where they will lay dormant like fucking parasites just waiting to be triggered and, you know, consume us, basically, right? For their own personal fucking game. And uh, as far as this fucking, you know, fake space agenda and the fake space threats and all that kind of shit, potential, I should say, alleged, perhaps even better, that we're told through Project Blue Beam, for uh, this Neil deGrasse Tyson character, for me listening to it on the Joe Rogan podcast at an impressionable age of 24, 25 years old, right? He did so in a way, you know, he framed the, 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 the threat of, a, a, of what he considered to be an uh, impending civilization-ending asteroidal threat to humanity, right? Um, he framed it the way, he, he's a great orator, basically is what I'm saying. And he framed it in such a way that it honestly did trigger my bleeding heart response of wanting to send as much money to NASA as quickly as possible, because the idea that the looming threat, <laughs> again, the looming threat of the civilization asteroid could be right around the corner, and that we would need, at minimum, 10 years to prepare for it, it fucking terrified me. And it terrified me so much that I was like, what the fuck? How are we so as backwards as a nation, as a humanity, that we are unwilling to fucking spend money to send money to NASA so they can bend, so they can fucking build a, a space defense, if you will, against a potential asteroid that could wipe out the entirety of humanity. Like, what the fuck? This makes no sense. And I remember him even talking about how cheap it would be and how much, you know, it is compared to other government spending, which of course only, you know, further served to reiterate this anger on my behalf to be like, what the fuck? Send all the money to NASA. Let's fucking get this shit going. You know what I mean? Which is, of course, exactly what they want. That's the idea behind Project Bluebeam, you know? Because, you know, like all the other alphabet agencies... NASA itself is claimed to be nothing more than a means by which the government can collect taxes and assert further control over us, right? And obviously, what better way to do so it, through the fucking uh, the space agenda than by, you know, here in the modern era, uh, having a prominent science fucking enthusiast go on what would, you know, what, what would, it was a pretty big podcast 10 years ago, but it's nothing what it was compared to now, right? But uh, what better way to initiate this podcast, this process, than by putting this fucking prominent science enthusiast on one of the largest podcasts in the world and spread that shit to fucking millions of people, you know what I mean? Like myself. And uh, that's exactly what happened with this fucking, you know, that's exactly what happened with this Neil deGrasse appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast. And that's exactly what Project Bluebeam says is the whole, it's one of the phases of Project Bluebeam, right? Uh, the second example is that of just the other the news articles, if you will, that have seemingly popped up in, you know, following this initial uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast over 10 years ago. Now, to be fair, I don't know if this is because of the frequency illusion, you know, this idea where you see something for the first time and then suddenly you start seeing it everywhere. 
like when you buy a new car and you've never seen that, you think you've never seen that car before, but now that you're driving that motherfucker, you see it everywhere. You're like, what the fuck? Why do I notice this car all of a sudden everywhere? That's the frequency illusion. So I don't know if this, you know, me personally seeing all these asteroidal stories in the news is just a result of the frequency theory, or if the fucking mass media really is peddling the fucking stories of the impending fate, you know, of the asteroidal collision. But whatever the case is, there's no doubt that it seems to be a lot more frequent now. You know what I mean? And I, actually, the one that I found to be the most hilarious was the one that came during the pandemic. It was about a month into the fucking lockdown when everyone was already on a high stress level. Okay. And it was actually pretty funny because it was such an obvious fucking psyop, bro. It was such an obvious psyop designed to fucking instill fear in us during an already high stress situation. And, you know, I remember it's, it was akin to the fucking the murder hornets. You know what I mean? Like, oh, come on, dog. Now more murder hornets are going to come and kill us. Like this 2020 was just a strange year. And that the impending asteroidal impact was just part of that. You know what I mean? It's just basically like typical energy harvesting ritual type shit, basically, is what I'm trying to say, right? Anyways, um, that was the second example of this that I, I, as I was preparing this podcast, that, that really like, that really stuck with me. And then the third one was the most recent movie, Don't Look Up on Netflix, right? Now, don't get me twisted, yo, because as a fucking blue pillar, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was fucking dope. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I think he's a great fucking artist, uh, actor, and I, you know, I I love to see him in movies. I'm just gonna be honest with you, <laughs> right? But as a red pillar, I couldn't help, dog, honestly, but cringe at the blatant propaganda and brainwashing that was taking place with that movie, yo. Because, well, for one, as I mentioned in the previous episode about Project Bluebeam, mass media is being used to prime us for future events, okay? And Netflix, with its already fucking shady-ass ties to the psychoanalytic tradition and fucking mass media and marketing, is a prime offender in this process, bro, right? So the whole time I'm watching this and I'm just like, yo, these motherfuckers are straight up, no shame, priming us for what they want us to believe is the fucking impending asteroidal impact. They're basically trying to fucking rally us around in such a way where we'll be like, why aren't these fucking politicians, these dumbass politicians like in the movie... Uh, working, you know, to protect us against this impending fate, uh, you know, from the threat of an extraterrestrial object like an asteroid. Now, to tie it all up with Von Braun, he was quoted as saying that this so-called alien invasion, it would be the impetus for the need to build space-based weapons to defend against them, right? Or in this case, the forthcoming civilization-ending asteroid that Tyson was talking about on the JRE that they were talking about in the movie, Don't Look Up, Right? And Von Braun tells us, yo, that this would all be a lie, right? So again, this circles back to the whole role that mass media plays in, in Project Bluebeam. So if you recall, right, the idea, again, is to utilize the power of symbols to penetrate into and lay dormant within our subconscious until they are ready to be activated by their associated stimuli. And the idea is that doing so, uh, by doing so, these symbols They'll serve to work against our pre-established beliefs by subjecting them to questioning, right? And perhaps eventual dismissal even due to the seeming contradictions that arise therein. So basically what they're doing is like, they're making us, they're gaslighting us, essentially is what Project Bluebeam is saying. They're making us doubt the reality that we believe to be true, which to be fair, dog, is what philosophy does. So maybe philosophy is in and of itself gaslighting too, right? The question is, well, how do we determine which is, you know, when, it, when is it a good thing to make to shake people's fucking epistemic foundations, if you will? And when is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing when it's, you're sitting in a philosophy class learning about the allegory of the cave 
And it's a bad thing when it's blatant government propaganda. And if so, why? Right? Whatever the case is, I do, I, once again, I'll have to pause, dog. I'll have to pause yet again to make it explicitly clear that, again, this is a prime example of how the subtleties of the Western Christian epistemology are at play, right? Because this entire conspiracy, yo, it is brought to us by people who, even, even if they don't have explicit faith in the existence of the Western Christian God, they operate under the pretext of those who have been socialized in a world founded on the existence of this God nonetheless, right? And because of that, they take this world to be the default. That is the strong reading that I was talking about at the fucking far beginning of the podcast, right? And, you know, they automatically see any deviation from this, you know, default world as a quote-unquote attack on the truth, quote-unquote, if you will, right? Again, this is the strong approach to knowledge, and it is basically means that, you know, that most people automatically assume that their given epistemology is correct without fucking question, yo, and proceed to read the entire world in such a way, which people like myself who have, you know, desocialized from the Western Christian world and, you know, who have embraced our ancestral traditions, we say to ourselves like, bro, there's more than one ways to see reality than just as unfolding in terms of a Christian fucking lens. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that the Western Christian lens isn't going to, the effects of the Western Christian world aren't going to be felt by us. It just means that, you know, it, it's not as terrifying, basically, dog. That the, the, the replacing Christianity with a new religion doesn't fucking terrify me. Even replacing it with Lucifer, because as I mentioned already, it doesn't terrify me because Lucifer means nothing to me. It's a Christian idea. You know what I mean? Anyways, in order to give this fucking conspiracy theory its due proper, let's just assume that they are correct, though, okay? Uh, if they are correct, the idea here is that uh, one of the claims of Project Bluebeam is that this is an initial step in laying the foundation for the forthcoming alien invasion, right? They want to shake and disrupt, if you will, uh, the foundation of the Western Christian world by quite literally engineering earthquakes and fucking faking this uh, uh, and, and faking discoveries that come by way uh, after the earthquake. You know what I mean? So what this Monas character is going to tell us is that the idea here is that by doing so, they're going to have these new discoveries, okay? that will be made after these earthquakes that will re-explain our history on this planet and that this re-explanation is going to slowly chip away at the religious doctrines of the three Abrahamic religions, specifically of Christianity, okay? Which, again, it's just Christian alarmism to me, dog. Like, I read this shit and I think to myself, like, they weren't even that sound and unquestionable to begin with. Like, what are we talking about, okay? You don't need a fucking fake earthquake to question Christianity, right? But... As I mentioned, for the sake of explaining the conspiracy, we're just going to assume the idea to be true and just, right, just so we can get to the ultimate point of the conspiracy. Anyways, uh, one of the examples that they give is that the show Ancient Aliens and, you know, uh, other science fiction shows, stories, and movies uh, of the past, that they're all just part of this process, right? So the process here being to instill the ideas in us and get us to question the belief in the Western Christian God, Okay. So from there, we move on to the big, the, the next phase, which is the quote-unquote big space show in the sky, right? And that is the point where holograms are going to be used to project images of God, okay? And what's interesting here is that they're going to do so depending on one's religious beliefs. They're going to be able to isolate the God-like creature entity uh, and tailor-fit it to particular religious and cultural beliefs, Right? Which is interesting because basically what they're saying, well, here's the basic runaround of the gist, right? 
is that the reason they're going to come up with so many different entities is because uh, what they're going to do is they're going to create a new one, this fucking Luciferian character, and they're going to say that the reason why uh, they're going to say that all these different iterations of the God, they're all one, okay? And what happened is that this Luciferian character is going to tell us is that all these other iterations of the God, they're all one. So Allah, Jesus and shit, they're all Buddha. They're all one thing. And what happened is that the individual religions, they took their doctrines and they used it to divide people for the sake of, you know, advancing their own personal interests. So then what's going to happen is that, you know, this conspiracy tells us that this Luciferian character is going to say, you know, what we need to do is get rid of all these religious, these old religious institutions and replace it with a new religion, my religion, because I'm telling you, it's all one. We are all one and uh, your other religions were lying to you and I alone would be the one to tell you the truth. Okay. So this is some deeply occult shit, yo, and we'll get into that here shortly. But the basic idea is that the holograms are going to take way in one of two forms. The first of which being the fucking, uh, you know, the, the, the satellites in the sky. The second of which being within our minds, okay? Our, our, our own personal, like, subjective field of vision. So there's one that's going to take place publicly and then one that can, take, can potentially take place individually, right? By the way, just so we're clear, one of the ways in which people say that this can potentially happen is through, of all people, fucking Elon Musk, Doug, through his project Starlink, right? Where he's going to put up a total of 44,000 satellites into space, for allegedly giving us high-speed internet access. Motherfuckers already got something like 12,000 up, but he plans on getting 44 total, right? And uh, they're going to say that those satellites, that's what's going to be used to create the hologram. The second way is through the neural link, right? The fucking the brain implants and shit. And they're going to say that that's how it's going to be used, or the Oculus, if you will. And they say that that's what's going to be used to project the fucking hologram to our own individual field of vision. Anyways, I digress. The point here is that Whatever the case is, it's naturally, it isn't going to be the quote-unquote real God, okay? It's a projection. It's a hologram. It's not real, right? And uh, the idea is that what is being projected, this is going to be the way in which this quote-unquote satanic agenda is going to be implanted, okay? Now, again, I have to continue to pause and emphasize that this only holds sway if you believe in the Western Christian world. So a way to work around it is to just simply indigenize, homie, <laughs> indigenize and see it less as a fucking, you know, end, end of days, you know, doomsday scenario. And instead just take a back seat and realize it for nothing more than the spectacle that is designed to see it as a spectacle designed to conceal the real issue. And that is the blatant power grab that is systematically preying on our vulnerability as humans, the vulnerability here to desire something greater, right? Now, whatever the case as far as this conspiracy is concerned, this quote-unquote new messiah is referred to as the Maitreya. And um, the Maitreya is an idea that is introduced in the theosophy of a lady who is named Helena Blavatsky, right? And she tells us that this Maitreya is the final world's teacher or the master of the ancient wisdom, if you will, okay? And that this Maitreya is coming to earth to usher in the new age and teach us ultimate enlightenment. Sounds good so far, right? <laughs> For those motherfuckers that are like out, out, anti-Luciferian and shit, like what could be wrong with that? The idea goes, right? Anyways, this Maitrean character, you know, it's undoubtedly associated with the Christian Lucifer, yo. And, you know, Blavatsky herself, like many other occultists, they believe that it is in fact Lucifer who is the true savior and spiritual father of mankind, okay? 
Now, this in and of itself, yo, is an interesting idea that focuses primarily on the belief that much of what is considered taboo by Christianity, right, is precisely that which help that which helps Christian that ugh, what is considered taboo is exactly that which would help Christians understand Christianity for the hustle that it is, right? So this implicates everything from astrology to shadow work, homie, right? So in terms of the former, the idea here is that, you know, the Bible is a metaphor and that in this particular case, that the metaphor speaks to recognizable patterns in the sky that are in turn uh, associated with predictable patterns of behavior on earth, right? So as above, so below type shit. And that's where we get the zodiac signs, right? So what the Bible is really telling us is that, you know, the sky follows a procession of fucking, uh, a, a procession, if you will, and that that procession has been charted by fucking astronomers historically who recognize that whenever these particular fucking constellations are in the sky, these particular events, events tend to unfold on Earth, right? And that throughout the course of human history that we've been able to, you know, isolate these events in such a way where we can predict the next fucking cycle. So realistically, what the, the Bible is then is nothing more than a way of reading, if you will, the stars in the sky, right? So, you know, this is this is basic astrotheology type shit, yo. It's the simplest iteration, right? Or rather, in its simple, simplest iteration is nothing more than the worshiping of the stars, yo. There's astrotheology, right? And this is a common practice that, it, you know, it was, you know, this is something that was practiced by many in the pre-Christian world. And some say that Christianity itself is nothing more than another small fucking cult that followed astrotheology. And that it wasn't until this fucking doctrine was taken and, you know, mishmashed, mishmashed rather with, you know, the fucking ancient Greek philosophy and, you know, uh, introduced into the world in the form of Christendom that it got bastardized into the version of Christianity that we have today, Right. And the idea is then that they don't want you in Christianity to look at fucking astrology then, because when you do, you'll make the connection between the two and realize that I don't fucking need this fucking church to, you know, get me in this one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. I can just fucking go through it, through the Bible on my own, even if you want to, and realize that the God up there is the same as the God right here, homie. And it's fucking, you know, uh, it's following a, a predetermined pattern of behaviors that are easily charted by way of the stars through the Bible. You know what I mean? And <laughs> so this is obviously something that the church does not want. So they tell people, Christians, like, you should not get into astrology because of the devil. You know what I mean? Typical Bobby Boucher type shit. As for the latter, the idea here is how, again, we ourselves, dog, like we can channel the inner God. We are the God, right? For, if you want to be the devil, we are the most sacred. We are the most high, right? We are the manifestation. We are, but it is what, we are what is the, uh, the most sacred. You know what I mean? And the idea here is that, you know, through shadow work, if you will, you can channel this inner God by embracing both the good and the quote unquote evil, right? That's Christian language, but it, it bears repeating nonetheless, because um, ideally by embracing both the good and the bad, you can learn from it. This is, you know, this is the whole teaching was like a very simplistic, essentialized version of the teachings of Carl Jung, right? Shadow work and shit. But um, this is obviously something that Christians are in opposition to because they tell us that we must not be tempted by evil, that we must avoid evil, et cetera. Because, you know, if we we venture into the evil, then we're going to fucking fall victim to it and that, you know, the darkness and all that kind of stuff. To which the occultist and the fucking, you know, the 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 psycho the psychoanalytics are saying like, nah, dog, all you got to do is you got to embrace, recognize and embrace the evil that exists within you and not act upon it, but integrate it with yourself, if you will. Do the shadow work, essentially, Right. And that's why still to this day, I'm like, motherfuck Luke Skywalker, homie. Darth Vader was the real hero of Star Wars because 
there's nothing intrinsically wrong. And this is an occultic reading, by the way, an occultist reading. And that is that there is nothing inherently wrong with the quote-unquote dark side of the force. What is wrong is the weak people who stay stuck on the dark side of the force, right? Because in order to have a true, complete understanding of power, you have to have an understanding of both sides of the force, the dark and the light side, right? And it's only when you get stuck in the light side that the evilness fucking, or the, the bad takes hold. And that's basically what the occultists are saying. They're saying, or through this Luciferian work, is they're saying Lucifer was the one that came along and said, you have to integrate both elements of yourself, right? You have to be willing to take both the good and the bad and recognize them within yourself. Anyways, this is all shit that, again, is associated with Luciferianism. And naturally, this terrifies Christians, bro. This terror, in turn, is the impetus for impetus rather for many conspiracies, and Project Bluebeam is no exception. Uh, the biggest fear, basically, that the Christians have is of the world ending and them being wiped out, which is fucking interesting given the fact that their entire religion is a death cult that is predicated on the belief in the end of days and their ultimate salvation by way of their demise, right? But despite all that, they're still terrified of the fucking of the end of the Christian world and the end of themselves, period, right? But I digress. The point here is that this Matrian Luciferian character will is alleged to be the harbinger of a new age religion that will usher in the quote-unquote end of this world and the ensuing creation of a new world in its image, right? Typical occultist alchemical processes, right? Uh, the creation of a new by the destruction of the old. And this Luciferian entity can allegedly only be channeled through a hugely energy-producing event such as an apocalypse, right? And when this Luciferian character arrives, it's going to mesh out, their t we're told through his Project Bluebeam shit, that it's going uh, to mesh all the world's religions together into one by disclosing, again, the correct, if you will, explanations of the mysteries of life and the revelations that have previously been, you know, the cause for the division among us, okay? So the idea is that everyone's going to, again, put aside Christianity, Christianity specifically, right, but also all the other religions, in favor of this new age religion that is headed by this Luciferian character. Typical Christian fear-mongering, right? Anyways, by explaining how the various scriptures have been misunderstood and misinterpreted, the people who advocate Project Bluebeam, they say that this new Messiah will explain how these old religions are responsible for so much evil, which, to be fair, they really are. <laughs> I mean, come on, dog. let's look at what's happening right now currently with the Catholic Church and their molestation of children, Right? And then historically as well, see all the evils that the Abrahamic traditions have fucking caused among the world. And you'll see like they are responsible for a lot of evil. What are you talking about? Anyways, right? Um, the idea here is that this Matrian Luciferian character is going to tell us that because of how much evil these religions have caused, they should be abolished in favor of this new religion that seeks unity as brought to them by the new age alleged antichrist before them. I say alleged because, again, Christian shit. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. I, as I was reading this, I seriously couldn't help but laugh at this. You know, I, I couldn't help but laugh at it. Like, the whole book. I was like, come on, bro. This is obviously... You said on one hand, you're going to try to keep your Christianity out the mix, but your ideology is showing, bro. Like, this is obviously Christian alarmism shit, right? But again, for the sake of getting through the conspiracy, I'll just assume for it to be true because, you know... <laughs> This is what the fuck we do in philosophy, dog. We grant hypothetical thought experiments all the time and see where they take us. They can be completely absurd hypothetical thought experiments, right? 
like the idea that you can push an overweight man in front of a fucking train to stop it from killing people. Like that's obviously fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense in terms of physics, right? But it's a well-established fucking philosophical thought experiment nonetheless because it does allow us the ability to think about how we personally would react in such a situation. And that's basically what I'm doing here with this Project Bluebeam shit. And realistically, most conspiracies as well, right? Nine out of ten philosophers, they would fucking cringe at the idea of fucking conspiracies and be like, I'm not even going to legitimize that shit by fucking giving it the time of day. Me? I ain't no scared bitch, so I have no problem fucking thinking about these conspiracies or talking about them because I'm not afraid of getting sucked into them. You know what I mean? Anyways, um, <laughs> when we uh, uh, going back to this Project Bluebeam shit, right? Uh, the reason, I guess before I get into that Project Bluebeam shit, the reason I have no problem, you know, talking about them is because, you know, sometimes they just collapse upon themselves, dog, the sheer absurdity. But sometimes they don't. And that's where shit starts to get interesting, okay? Anyways, um, Monas, this Sergei Monas character, he's going to tell us that this will all take place during a time of profound worldwide political anarchy and general tumult, crea- uh, general tumult created by some worldwide catastrophe, right? Now, Again, dog, like, to be fair, like, to be fair, this isn't really a difficult prediction to make, right? For the, it's, it's really not, dog. Like, this motherfucking Nostradamus-ass wannabe motherfucker, like, anybody can make this type of prediction because, historically speaking, that's always been the case. There's never been a peaceful time in, in the course of human history, ever. There never will be a peaceful time in the course of human history. It's not in our fucking nature to be peaceful. You know what I mean? There will always be conflict. So... To say that there's going to be some fucking profound life-altering event that takes place during a time of great political chaos and tumult, that's not really fucking saying much. You know what I mean? This is a very vague proposition that can easily be applied to in any situation. So, you know, for philosophers, it's not really something we take very seriously, bro. It's, uh, it's called the principle of falsifiability, okay? And basically... The principle of falsifiability tells us that, you know, propositions, they should be judged on their merit in accordance to the probability that they can be proven false, okay? Uh, What that means simply is that, you know, theories, quote-unquote theories, or propositions that make bold proclamations, they have little room for error, okay? And they cannot, the errors that do take place, they cannot be easily accounted for, right? Uh, And those which are able to satisfy this criterion, they're always more relevant than those which simply take any contradiction to be a part of their theory, right? So the idea here is that whenever you have a quote-unquote theory that just uh, uh, that just takes any critique at, uh, and, and, and embraces it as part of the theory, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that, that it's meant to happen that way type shit. You know what I mean? That's not a very fucking, it's not a, it's not a good theory, right? It's not very something that we should fucking uh, pay too much mind to as opposed to a fucking theory or a claim that makes a very, uh, a fucking very, very definite prediction and has a very fucking small window for error, Right? And when those are proven to be true, that's when we say to ourselves, like, okay, that that one was fucking, that's a very good theory that we should probably uphold. You know what I mean? So in this case, as tempting as it is to immediately assume that this Sergei Monas character is correct, it's it's important to remain critical nonetheless, dog, because what I'm saying here is like, yeah, right now we currently are in a time of great political chaos and tumult, and it seems like we're primed for a perfect fucking, you know, uh, a world-altering event, but realistically like this is always the case and at any moment this shit could pop off is what i'm trying to say right so whether it's project Bluebeam or whether it's because of some other conspiracy like it doesn't really you know like i'm not saying that necessarily this is what's going to happen is what i'm trying to say like it could be a number of things that's happening right now 
most of which we are could just happen at the fucking complete drop of a dime and would have no planning at all whatsoever. Regardless, in the interest of remaining faithful to this conspiracy, right, there's no doubt that we currently are, in, you know, okay, let's give them their due proper. We are in one of those times. And it only seems to be getting crazy, right? This Western Christian world, like, it's clearly in its death throes, bro. <laughs> and ideas like Project Bluebeam, they're basically trying to rescue it, is what I'm trying to tell you, right? And, you know, I myself, I can obviously give a motherfucker less about that because I'm more concerned with how it's going to affect me personally, how this is going to affect me personally. Um, what I mean by that is like, as I mentioned before, I don't give a fuck about this Western Christian world collapsing, right? Um, so this Project Blue Beam shit is, what, what I care about is that how it's going to be used to strip me of my rights and agency, bro. That's what I have a problem with, okay? And that's where the shit starts to get really interesting, okay? Because if we, you know, to the interest of fairness, that is kind of what's happening right now, bro. Specifically in terms of the technocracy, which, you know, leads us to the third part of the Project Blue Beam. And that is the artificial thought and communication. Now, while the dangers of ever encroaching technology is a rich tradition in philosophy and in and of itself, basically, uh, let alone the accelerationism of this phenomena in current times, if you will, and its ensuing effects on us here today, for the purposes of this Project Bluebeam shit, Monas is going uh, to tell us that this advanced technology could potentially be employed to telepathically communicate with us on a low frequency, bro, leading many to believe that God is speaking directly to their soul. And this is the exact type of shit that motherfuckers who are afraid of the vax out of fear that it has a microchip implanted in it, that's what they're talking about, yo. With this whole 5G shit, they're saying that the microchip is going to be a fucking uh, a vessel by which they can be communicated with with a satellite using 5G. Like, that's what they're saying. And, you know, as outlandish as this conspiracy sounds, like, it's not that highly improbable, improbable, okay? Because, you know, it's one thing for our phones to track our every movement, bro, but it's a whole ass other thing for our technology to be inserted into us, like Neuralink, okay, that allows outside entities to talk to us in our minds and shit, bro. That's some, that's some next level shit, okay? Now, this particular part uh, takes an added twist when we consider the vast amount of personal information and data that has been mined from us and stored in, a com in computers with fucking massive amounts of data on, on every person on this planet, dog, and how that data could potentially in turn be used um, by the satellites to be beamed into us, right? So like an example that I'm giving you, uh, an example to give you right now to make sense of this is uh, Elon Musk recently uh, was talking about how the Neuralink is going to record all of our memories and shit. And that it could potentially, those memories will be stored and they could potentially be removed out of our fucking brains and our consciousness uploaded onto another computer and shit. That's kind of the gist of what's going on here, all right? And uh, this is kind of leading us towards the, the transhumanist agenda. But it's worth noting nonetheless, given the, you know, this, this recent news about how it's unfolding, right? With its obvious association with Project Bluebeam, okay? Because the idea here is that this fucking, this very same process can be used to store every one of our memories could also potentially be used to fucking, you know, uh, communicate with us in ways that are not conducive to our own interests. So this particular part is important, bro, because like when we watch a movie or we read or when we read an article, ideally we do so critically. OK, and what I mean by that is uh, we're doing so in a way that we are conscious of the of the agendas that are being advanced. And we remain skeptical of these agendas and we remain vigilant of these agendas, right? 
because we're aware that they're trying to subtly influence our consciousness in such a way, such a way that will uh, influence, that will directly, you know, it would be of use to the people who are trying to manipulate us, right? It'll be in their interest. And uh, if we can at least, you know, stay woke, we can we can fend this off. We can we can defend against this, okay? But again, as I finished with the previous episode, what happens when the agenda is subtly being infused into our consciousness in such a way where we are made to believe that these thoughts that we are having are uniquely our own, right? This is the entire point here, bro, because when this happens, we are less skeptical of the ideas. It's the whole strong reading of philosophy that I'm talking about. Why question these ideas if we're convinced that these are our own ideas, right? And it's easy to recognize these ideas as not being our own when we're fucking clearly watching a movie or reading a book. But what happens when they're being beamed into our fucking brains, dog, by these fucking satellites that have all this information stored on us and they can fucking tailor the information in such a way that is going to resonate deeply with us, okay, the way mass marketing works, and uh, that in such a way where they're beaming these ideas into us and we're met, led to believe that these are our own unique ideas, right? When this happens, we become less skeptical and less vigilant because we trust ourselves, dog. We trust ourselves as having our best interest in mind, right? And the idea here is that if I have this belief completely independent of any outside influence, that must mean that it's in my best interest, right? Right. That that right. Dog. Come on. That's what the Project Bluebeam is trying to tell us. Like, no, that's not. That's not, dog. And this idea, this may not even be your own. It may be something that is being fucking beamed into your brain, basically. And, you know, that it's just a starting point to an inevitable, uh, an inevitable phenomenon that's going to be beamed into your brain in the form of an alien invasion or a fucking uh, oncoming, uh, forthcoming um, re revelation of a god, right? Um. Anyways. The idea here is that once this is possible, once it is possible to beam these ideas into our head, it's just a, it's a short it's a short fucking order before you have complete mind control of the entire human population, okay? And that our only form of resistance would be to constantly constantly question the motivations behind our every thought and to never act on those which we consider to be outside of our ideological, religious political, or even moral beliefs, right? Now, this is obviously some highly exhaustive shit, bro, that few of us are ever going to truly engage in. I mean, let's be real, dog. Even I myself would say, like, there's only so much thinking that I could do in a day before I get fucking tired and just completely veg out and accept reality for what it is, yo. And if we have to sit here and be constantly vigilant of every thought out of fear that the thoughts that we're having are being beamed into our fucking brains by this fucking government organization, it's just a matter of time before that shit gets exhausting and you're just like, ah, fuck this, I'm not going to do this anymore, right? And, you know, that's where the whole idea of the tinfoil hat comes in where you think you could defend yourself from this by putting it on, but it's not going to work, especially if it's within your body at this point, you know what I mean? Or if it's in the Oculus Rift where it's implanted into your brain. And the fear is if that is actually possible, then what you end up with is basically this Deadpool-style existence in which you are nothing more than a fucking slave, bro. You're a slave to the people who are pulling the fucking strings, Right? And uh, as far as project, as far as Project Bluebeam goes, the basic idea is that all of this is necessary, bro. Because we, as humans, are you know we're fundamentally flawed. They tell us we are fundamentally flawed, and uh, you know we are not perfect, as in casting the image of God, right? 
And because of that, the technology, we're told, is going to fucking liberate us, right? It's, only, it's not only going to alleviate our imperfections, but it's going to save us, if you will, from, you know, the more, quote-unquote, advanced aliens, which leads us to the fourth step of Project Bluebeam, and that is the and that is the desire to supernaturally manifest these alleged alien fucking threats, right? The idea here is that, you know, just like in Spider-Man, the technology will be used to create the appearance of the supernatural event that will cause chaos and hysteria, and the NWO will be right there to offer us salvation and safety from it, right? And yeah, that sounds about as good a point as any to go ahead and wrap this bitch up for today. The next installment, if you will, on our fucking series on Project Bluebeam. Um, I'll be continuing along with this. I'm only in fucking chapter three of this textbook, and it's got two motherfucking, uh, it's part one, right? I still got part two to get through. So I'm looking forward to finishing this up. But until then, I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>